Hello and welcome to the Modesta Maiga 360 Leadership Podcast. Today we talk about how to become a global industry leader. There is an African proverb that says, if you educate a woman, you educate a nation. And Priyanka Chopra Jones said, financial independence is paramount. My mom always says that when a woman is financially independent, she has the ability to live life on her own terms. In today's Modesta Maiga 360 Leadership Podcast, we're going to talk about how to become a global industry leader. We're joined by Irene Madejem Lola, a senior board and management executive, industry thought leader, and pioneer of the gender inclusion agenda in Tanzania. She is a results-driven transformational strategist with over 20 years of proven delivery in the financial, telecom, and development sectors. As the Executive Director and Operations Director at Financial Sector Deepening Trust, FSDT Tanzania, Irene championed a gender-inclusive strategy that aimed at prioritizing the economic empowerment of women and young people. Irene holds notable public, private, and multilateral governance positions, including Commissioner for the National Cooperative Commission, where she serves as Vice Chairperson, an independently nominated member of the Women's Affairs Committee under the Tanzanian National Council for Financial Inclusion, and she is a board director of Eximbank Tanzania, where she chairs the board credit committee. Irene is a recipient of the Top 50 Women in Management Africa Awards and has been acknowledged by the International Finance Corporation of the World Bank Group as one of the leading women in the Tanzanian financial sector. Irene holds a master's degree in business administration from the Netherlands Maastricht School of Management and a Bachelor of Commerce from Dalhousie University in Canada. An alumna at Harvard School of Business where she received a strategic leadership and inclusive management certificate, she's also a certified market system specialist with Springfield Center for Development in the UK and a registered director with the Commonwealth Association for Corporate Governance. Irene, welcome. Thank you very much, Modesta. I am so thrilled to have you here. Thank you for making the time for this phenomenal conversation that I'm sure our 360 leadership community is leaning in to glean from. Irene, my first question to you has got to be, how did you become a globally recognized leader in the financial sector in Tanzania? Well, um... Thank you very much, Modesta. First and foremost, I have to thank you for um, for welcoming me to this powerful platform uh, that you're engaging with leaders across the globe. Um, so going directly to, to your question, um, I, I don't think there's ever a, a one-sentence answer to your question, and I have to sit down and think and reflect. You, you know, know, my so personal leadership has just been an evolution. Uh, an evolution that is comprised of who I am as a person, um, you know, my drive, and most importantly, um, the exposure, the education, the experiences that I've actually had over time, which eventually ended up zoning me into the finance sector. So you can say, um, you know, coincidentally, immediately after I finished my, 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 my first degree, I found myself, uh, you know, in working in the, in, the, in the banking sector. So that was my first first job ever, and my second job was also um, in a bank as well. And these were international banks. You mentioned there that I studied 
uh, in Canada. So I got the opportunity to work for international banks, Royal Bank of Canada and Bank of Nova Scotia. But upon coming back to Tanzania, um, then, uh, you know, I found myself because I had this competitive advantage already. I, I, I saw myself zoning myself into the financial sector where I got to work with, uh, you know, Barclays Bank and eventually went into the telco, which was a, a perfect um, combination of really the next frontier of banking, which is really digital financial services. So you can see this very strong background, mm. which gave me the grounding and the understanding, the command. And that's what you get from a leader. You, need, you know, a leader is someone that people need to be able to look up to. And people need to be able to see you having a vision, seeing you having a direction, and you being able to, um, you know, command you know other people to listen to you to follow you uh and, and to see that you're taking them into into the next direction so pretty much so it is grounded by that very strong uh sort of experience exposure understanding but also it's also linked to my personal conviction in everything that i do you know i usually i'm a kind of person that will just give wholeheartedly so if i'm doing something I, it is something that I have to believe in myself entirely, and I will be doing it in the best possible way with a full integrity um, and, uh, you know, uh, direction and goal oriented. So that usually gets to attract the people that you're leading and um, and, and then being able to actually form the allegiance and the and the respect, which is really what you get with a with, with a leader, um, and and then that's how I actually found myself really uh, not only being immersed in the financial sector, but being able to command the voice, the understanding, the following. When I speak, you know, people will actually listen because they know they could see clearly. You know, when you're actually purpose-driven, when you're actually connected in whatever you're doing and you're doing it from your heart. Um, and then, of course, you also mentioned in terms of the developments that I've had to do over time. So it wasn't just the, the, the original um, sort of education that I got, but it's also the continuous learning and the continuous development that I actually poured into, into the finance area and trying to really be able to define finance meaningful finance to the lives of people, um, which saw myself really taking um, international uh, sort of accreditation, exposure, attending to global stage, and, you know, being a voice of finance and especially women, um, you know, access to financial services and doing it in a way that people can actually see that you're doing this is not just because it's a job, but it is really because something that you're so convinced and convicted and you you understand the value and uh, you're really driving um, value in, in your country. So that's how I found myself, you know, right, not only just being uh, a leader within the Tanzanian space, but also world and globally recognized. Thank you so much for what you have just shared with us, Irene. The reason why I, 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 I am thanking you is because what I'm hearing is it's not by default, it is by design. 
Um, and your design actually wasn't even global recognition, you know, from the sound of it. Your design was to really understand this sector, to really contribute meaningfully. But you have just shared with us a balance between the individual intentionality and, and you know, goal setting and, and, and in integrity combined with impact. Um, and and I think where people might think, well, you know, as long as I am qualified and I am doing my job, the rest will speak for itself. These things don't happen by default. They happen by design. If there's something you're convicted of, go forth and, and add value, use the word value in it, and the recognition will come. And and what, what I'm also hearing from you, which is so refreshing, is there's no false humility. You're a very humble person. I happen to know you off of this podcast. But you take your place because you understand that it is important for leaders to take their place and to advance the agenda they stand for. So thank you. Thank you for your response. Thank you very much, Modesta. Now, women's financial inclusion in particular, I heard you saying that. I heard you singling it out. Why did you decide and how did you decide to become a women's financial inclusion champion? Wow, powerful. This speaks to my heart. So um, I am a very, um, you know, I lead from the heart. And, um, you know, this journey that I've just uh, tried to articulate here saw me, um, you know, finding myself in a position, uh, a thought leadership position where I not only just work within one organization to deliver or deliver finance or deliver services, but also in an intermediary, uh, a catalytic position and a position of power where, um, you know, my voice uh, and my knowledge and my understanding, my network, um, you know, had influence across the, the the market and here i'm talking about the financial sector stakeholders where i got to work with uh, the, the policy makers you know regulators and working with um, the private sector whether in the banking sector or in the telco as well as innovators so you know it's it's a really uh, a job that cuts across the financial sector and then over time, then, I, I, I was questioning myself. Yes, I'm working in the financial sector and, you know, finance can unlock, you know, SME finance. You can be looking specifically into agri-finance. You can be looking into, you know, quite a lot of discipline within the financial sector itself. And it demands a different understanding. And if you look at, um, you know, Tanzania over time, you know, we, we've really been able to, um, you know, get people financially included. You know, not so long ago, within the last 15 years ago, we were talking about exclusion rates of up to 65%, but this was reversed by 20, uh, 2017, where you're seeing inclusion rates of, you know, the 65% just moves from being exclusion to being inclusion. But, um, you know, looking at that data and then analyzing it, you know, in a more meaningful way, you realize that, yes, financial inclusion is, you know, is increasing, meaning it's getting better, more people are included, but there is a stagnant gap of, 
um, underserved markets. And here, you know, you see clearly that the more we're getting people included, you're seeing uh, women are left behind and the gap is not narrowing um, for women who are left behind. And then, you know, you know, thinking about it in terms of what that means in terms of, um, you know, economic well-being of the whole country in, in terms of the whole Tanzania, you know, you're leaving behind 50% of the population. So that is something that is, uh, you know, it's definitely something that we need to look at and actually be able to, to, to address. And wherever I was seated on, uh, which is what, it's a, it's a more catalytic position and you're dealing with these multiple actors. And um, then I saw, I, I, I saw a calling, I saw, I saw, I mean, it was almost like a light bulb that here you are, Irene, um, the financial sector is very much male dominated. Uh, if you look at the, the higher percentage of people who are actually in the sector, you know, across, you know, all these different uh, stakeholders that I've just mentioned. And I saw myself in a position of power, in a position of, and, and I'm a woman, and I'm seeing this problem. And, uh, you know, I, I could see clearly that it was a light bulb. It was like this now is bestowed upon you to see how you can actually start first by, you know, bringing it to the table. You have an opportunity of being on the table. Find means and ways to which you can actually bring it up. Not in a way that it has been taken by the, the market up until that time. It became like, okay, it's the right thing to be done. Or it's almost from a CSR position. No, I was like, no, Irene, you can make it this one more, with, with a more meaningful, um, you know, reason why as a country we need to have full participation of both men and women because it, it is an economic it makes an economic sense for the country and for the whole globe um you know to together you know one of the most um early on uh, sort of uh, studies that really dawned on me was like uh, you know financial inclusion for women, it is really, it makes economic sense. You know, there was a study by IFC in 2015 that was articulating the the value, the economic value in terms of GDP, what a country, what the world stands to gain if you actually get the, the women actively uh, financially included. It was talking about $12 trillion uh, in terms of GDP. And I'm like, that to me was one line but a very powerful line because I don't want to go on the table and look at it from a more of a, you know, a, you know, a human rights movement. But I wanted to attract it from a more of economic sense, and it makes sense for the for the country. And yes, it is going to it is a, a women economic empowerment, but it is it is more beneficial to the country. Um, and the one thing I wanted to add here, it's also um, for the longest time as a Christian, um, I have been searching, you know, uh, with my experience and background that I've actually explained in this podcast, but I've been soul searching myself. I'm like, okay, God, please, you know, open it up to me so that I see myself in, in a purpose that is so connected um, to the blessings that you've actually, you know, showered upon me, which is this experience, this exposure, this understanding, this position, this voice. Um, but I need to feel like I am channeled 
in something that I can actually contribute to the greater good beyond Irene, you know, something that is lasting, you know. And, you know, throughout this whole analysis that I was seeing that opportunity of, uh, you know, going more into research using the, the position that I had at FSDT, uh, nudging, you know, the, uh, you know, the National Council for Financial Inclusion because I, we had the position from FSDT to actually work with the, with the National Council. I can bring to the table the numbers, the research, the business case, why we should actually include women. I can bring to the table some of the challenges that the women are facing to access finance that are not necessarily um, will affect a man, you know, in the same fashion because we've gone deep and just done an understanding and brought the insight so that the market can actually start to think differently and approach it differently. So for me, it was also that combination of actually seeing my purpose and seeing my purpose coming, you know, like right in front of my eyes. I see that opportunity. I'm like, Irene, this is it. This is you. You're just going to really push yourself into this direction, and um, yeah, that's basically how how I found myself into in 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 the space of women in financial inclusion. Oh wow, you saw an opportunity because you're sitting at the table with the decision makers in this sector, an opportunity to make a business case, case an, an economic imperative for uh, women's financial inclusion and you saw it as, as as a calling that you you know that you're sitting uh, you know in, in in contexts that are male dominated now because you are you know at, let's say you know a couple of levels after when it dawned on you when it started to crystallize to you i don't want people who are listening to miss the fact that that is a process and that is a journey and it does not come without resistance or ups and downs. So could you share, because to you it's women's financial inclusion, to somebody else it could be something else. There's an underserved market or there is a need um, or, or there is there's an urgency to an area and they happen to be the person on the leadership seat as uh, Carla Harris, who, who's also um, a, a, a woman leader in Wall Street. She says, wherever you are on your leadership seat, whether you have the position of leadership or not, you're called to stand in the gap. What has that been like for you? What has that journey of becoming a champion of women's financial inclusion in Tanzania been like in a in a not just a male dominated market but in the in 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 the boardrooms and the seats uh, that that you have occupied and the spaces you have occupied Modesta you're so right um, it is a journey you know and it's where we sit today we're definitely at a different um, you know you know destination within the same journey that is still not yet um, we haven't reached the end and I think we will we still have uh, you know some few miles to walk but nonetheless where it started let me just give an example I remember mm -hmm. there was a time we were seated at FSTT trying to design our program so that we are more intentional um, you know in in really solving the women's problem but women's problem does not necessarily need to be explicitly affecting women 
but it's just you look at it from a, more of an intentionality position. But it is still going to be an access to finance issue. But it's just you're prioritizing it because you're understanding the position of a woman. So we were seated on the table and we were designing uh, an intervention that we would um, we would have with one of our partners. And I remember, um, you know, on, on that round table, I was seated with my staff, you know, and uh, one male counterpart, I mean, a staff member just uh, stood up and started saying, you know what, but Irene, you know, whatever it is that you're saying, I'm not understanding, you know, when it rains, it rains everywhere. You know, the rain will not just come and just only affect um, if it's raining, for example, in Ilala, you know, in a particular place in Dar es Salaam. You, you can't say that it's only women who are affected and not men. And I just looked at him. I'm like, yes, you're right. It rains everywhere. But you can just decide. You can decide to intervene in areas that you know um, that it rains more for where your, your your group of people will be, for example, why don't we actually go out there intentionally solve the problems that are being faced by women small vendors? Why? Because data tells us many of uh, the, 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 the women are actually participating in um, medium and small uh, enterprises in Tanzania. So yes, along the line, you will find um, you know, male that are actually participating in that, but you will be intentional in choosing that particular, um, you know, if I can say value chain or uh, economic activity, because you know you solve a problem there, you're solving a problem of a woman, but you will not say that this solution is only for women. So those kind of, uh, you know, obstacles, you know, you, you need to be able to meet them. And if you ask me, Modesta, um, you know, the key uh, ingredient to actually be able to, to, to manage that process and to move a notch higher every step of the way is to be very objective, is to make sure that you're speaking from a position of uh, being informed and, you know, data and business cases. And really always try to make sure that it, is, it makes business sense, it makes economic sense, it is the right thing to be done. Yes, it is human right, yes, but most importantly, we are unlocking value for everyone in the economy. It is actually positive for everybody. So I, I think for me, that is really what I've actually learned and what I've actually used along the line. Even today where we are in the journey, is still the same process that is still needed to make sure that we move to the next level up. Who, Irene, uh, where people might, you know, you keep on saying it is, an, it, it is a human right and that is understood. And it may also make, you know, good, uh, you know, uh, corporate social investment, okay. But there is a business case, there is an economic development case. And I just love what you shared right now. And I pray that the leaders who are listening in and have a cause that they would like to champion can adopt the same principles. You said, be objective, right? You have your position and your stance and it could be value driven. You see the issues, you see the problems, but saying that there is a problem is not enough feeling it from the heart and and really appealing to people's hearts is not enough 
You said, be objective. You said, please make sure you, you come from an informed position that you have data to back up what it is that you're saying. Uh, you, you said that, make sure that you know that this is in for, for the long haul, that it, that it is a process. One of the things that I find completely amazing about leadership and influence is the fact that people have to choose of their own volition whether to come on board or not. And you need to know what they need to persuade them. And so, you know, you're saying have the data, have the information, build a business case, share um, uh, benchmark, share uh, examples where, where, where similar uh, interventions and initiatives have worked. I think this cannot be emphasized enough. So we true. cry and we grovel and we try to appeal to hearts, but we forget that even things that are not business related have to make economic sense many a times for people to want to come on board. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's profound to me. So anyone who's not, it may not necessarily be a women's inclusion in whichever area, but it could it could absolutely be any agenda you're looking to champion. Be objective. Understand that there are differences. So like the example that Irene shared, make sure that you can come in with data and can back it up. Make sure that you've got case studies, you've got best practices, you've got benchmarks, and know that you're in it. You keep on saying it's a journey and we're still on it. We may be in a different place, but we're experiencing similar things, that you're in it for the long haul. Absolutely. Now, there is something about how you, for lack of a better word, how you are packaged and positioned, Irene. And I'll tell you, do you know that it's costing me everything not to call you Dada Irene? Like everything, with, each time I say your name without Dada before it, I feel like something's going to come down and, 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 and smoke me up. Dada, for those who may not know, means sister. And that is, a, you use that before a person's name to show a sign of respect. So right. I'm trying to keep it together. Thanks. You are an industry leader. You're a global industry leader. And that, I feel puts you in a place where you're able to position, uh, sorry, you're able to influence at different levels of the issue. Absolutely. This is how I see, I, I, I see it as an absolute strength and an asset to any organization engaging with you, an asset to our country, Tanzania, an asset to the world. The fact that you can traverse practice and policy and you're involved in different areas. Now, that is one reason I'd like you to share with us. Why do you think a person should consider becoming an industry leader? Because I think many times we, you know, we'd like to get to the C-suite and that's nice. But then, you know, invitations to boards or, you know, position, you know, committees and, 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 and um, opportunities to influence or to serve they kind of fall on people's laps. But why is it important to consider and to be intentional about becoming an industry leader? Absolutely. Um, thank you, Modesta. Um, thank you very much for, um, for your comments. And I'm humbled. I am humbled, uh, truly. Um, so, I mean, you asked first, you say, you know, how am I, you know, how did I end up being where I am and why should I actually, why should somebody else consider being uh, an industry leader? You know, reflecting on my life, I think I've always been, um, you know, a, quite a determined person in whatever that I want to do. You know, my story is long. 
Uh, I even remember, you know, as young Irene finishing uh, A-level and being so determined that I need to go and study abroad. I mean, today, somebody listening to this will be thinking, what is that? But, you know, during my time when we didn't even have email, um, the communication was through just, uh, you know, a mail that is actually, you know, posted over, you know, um, international mail post, post office. You know, here you have somebody that I didn't even have relatives outside the country, but I was so determined that I needed that exposure and I need to go mm. and uh, to actually see the world. Um, so there was, mm. there's quite a number of things that happened there. And I know this is not the focus of this uh, podcast, but nonetheless, it just proves that focus, determination, stickler for things. When I actually have them, I visualize them, I want them, I will plan it meticulously and I'll have it delivered. So this is really what, you know, I saw myself even after finishing school and coming in um, into, into my employment, whatever I was given as a task, uh, I took it wholeheartedly and I just delivered it, you know, and I delivered it to the best of my ability, you know. But along the line, you know, just really crowding in, having a very good relationship, 360 degrees, you know, whether it is within the line, uh, reporting, uh, reporting line within the organization, those who are under me, very good relationship across with the colleagues, but being able to crowd them in into whatever it is that are doing and ensuring that together we are actually winning. And, and, and for me, those are some of the uh, reflections that I've had because even there were times that, you know, I didn't think that I was a leader, but I would sit down, you know, I was very junior in, 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 in my roles, I mean, uh, along the, my career, but people would just listen to me, people will follow, people will see the sincerity that is actually coming, people will actually be attracted to what I have to say, to, to what I have to bring to the table. Um, and, and those were early signs of actually just being a, a leader. Uh, so in addition to, you know, what I've already said in this podcast, which is, you know, continuous learning, continuous um, soul searching in terms of um, that holistic purpose that you have as a, as a human being and the direction that you need to see yourself, something that you need to deliver that is bigger than self. Um, you know, these were some of the things that I saw myself, uh, you know, adhering to and, uh, you know, leading the team. You know, I would have people coming to me from, you know, and telling me, thanking me for something that I've done that I did not know that I was intentionally monitoring people, intentionally coaching them, intentionally showing, leading by example and direction you know, and, and conviction, you know. So um, all of this is really what has actually shaped me and molded me, um, you know, into this uh, now a position that I am very firmly grounded within the financial sector development, grounded in ensuring that we have an inclusivity within the financial sector and really seeing um, the gaps that exist in women, but of course there were there are actually a number of gaps even in our country that I take that as a cause and I actually am able to command that global leadership position that you're just talking about. 
But it's also very important for me to, to mention an important topic, um, you know, for for all leaders, you know, people who actually aspire to actually, um, you know, command a global leadership position, which is emotional, emotional intelligence. And, you know, um, you know, almost like, a, you know, within the last year, I think it's like 12 months ago, I took an emotional leadership um, course and I wanted to just delve into it more professionally to understand it and to confirm whatever it is that I've actually seen myself operating if it is does it really mean that I was an emotional uh, leader already at hand and I came to realize that that's really a, a very important um, skill to have um, and, you know, to my surprise, you know, even during the, the certification, I was like, wow, you know, so this is really what I was doing, but it's now giving it a more sort of a sophisticated name that is actually, you know, well-balanced and I can engage with uh, the fellow leaders in the world because it's actually, now it has a name, but it's really the ability to, to be able to understand, you know, perceive and use and manage your emotions. You know, in leading, because it's it's when you're a leader, you just need to be to to have a well-roundedness and an ability to actually um, being able to understand others and understand yourself and actually be able to balance all of that and achieve results and drive an organizational success. You know, it doesn't necessarily only depend on these hard issues that I'm talking about: the skills, you know, the technical understanding or the network, but it's how you build those networks. How do you lead others and how do you make sure that others from their position of where they are coming, from where their background is, but you as a person, you are able to, um, to understand that, to understand yourself, but at the same time to actually be able to steer the direction of an institution in a most fair way. I would say it's also fairness, you know, uh, along the line. So that's that. That's really that's really my journey um, in, in 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 leadership, and I think that's what I can actually share with others today. Thank you, thank you so much for this. Um, thank you for plugging in emotional intelligence because one of the things that I that I noticed and I'd written about this, I don't know if it was a newsletter or a blog post a couple of years ago, is mm -hmm. I noticed that the higher up leaders go, the mm -hmm. more you're really working emotional intelligence because there comes a level when technically you may have the same knowledge, the same certifications, all the rest of that, right? Yeah. But you're getting into context. And this is where this global uh, industry leadership um, position yeah. and role that you have comes in. You're meeting counterparts who are equally as qualified, equally as passionate, equally as powerful in their spheres. And you must sit together, mm -hmm. you know, to advance a certain agenda, uh, you know, to, to, to make a difference. And, and the only way that's going to happen, I don't know why I just thought of rhinos, right? <laughs> like rhinos, I can, they can just, but the only way that's going to happen is through emotional intelligence. And I think we, we really underestimate it. Um, when it comes to leadership, there's no flexing of, of degrees at a, at, in industry leadership. There's no flexing of, of, of technical competence, especially in this time of, 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 you know, digital learning, people can Google YouTube on their way to the meeting, but instead is how well you can manage yourself mm. and others man the room to be a facilitator of results. And that's what I've noticed. 
A AI cannot do emotional intelligence. So that's one thing that it still depends on us as humans. There you go. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love that. You know, with all this fear of what of what AI can do and replace, AI can replace your technical competence. They can replace all, but but not emotional intelligence, not the human to human uh, interaction that you know that that affirms others um, and 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 collaborates uh, towards uh, towards uh, common outcomes. So I I really want to thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for. Um, the the I, it's almost a a i don't know a dance a give and take of okay you may start out by default but please progress by design okay you may right this is this is what i'm hearing you're saying uh, you may start out because you're passionate about something but please make sure that you can be objective and make a business case for it um you may be the only person in the room, but please understand that then is an opportunity, right? To represent everybody else that is not in that room and sitting on that table. I, I am so grateful that you are willing to traverse both of these sides and say, what can I do? You, you, you said to bridge the gap. Now, for our 360 leadership community, let's say someone's listening to you and says, you know what, I, I see now that there is an opportunity, not just to excel in what I do, and that when I get on that leadership seat, I'm not done. There is an opportunity, perhaps even a mandate, because now you know, you're in leadership, you've seen much, to then ask, what is an agenda that I can champion, that I am uniquely positioned to be able to influence if they would like to reach out to you please advise what can they reach out to you about and where can we reach you uh, for me i mean um, anything um around the role of finance and what finance can actually do to improve well-being improve people's position i mean in terms of economic um meaningfulness um so we have a term for it, which is inclusive finance. So specifically, yes, I focus on women uh, in finance, but very passionate about um, agriculture um, and serving the underserved within the agriculture. And most importantly, you also see majority of the people, I mean, if I speak of Tanzania. So that's, that's really an area that is really close to my heart, as you can see, even in some of the roles that I'm actually involved in. Um, but also, you know, looking at uh, medium and small in, uh, enterprises uh, and the way they are actually underserved, that's also an area that I really passionately care. So anything inclusive finance, including people in access to finance so that we can actually change their lives. Finance can change their life. Finance is a catalyst. Finance is an enabler. Uh, so those are the, the, the topics that I care about and how you can reach through me definitely go to LinkedIn and you'll find me. I'm there. Perfect. And we're going to make sure that we share your link as well uh, when we release this episode. Irene Madeje Mlola. Wait, let me say it right. Dada Irene. <laughs> I am so very grateful that you have made the time. And I'm very grateful 
that you have shown up on a podcast, which is going out globally as yourself. There is a persona you took on. Um, you didn't mince words. Thank you for uh, doing your own work to develop yourself as a leader to get to where you are. Thank you for not shrinking in spaces where you may have felt like the underserved, right? Um, underrepresented. And thank you for going even further than that, for choosing to take on something that you know is going to contribute. You, you did what did you say? Twelve trillion in twenty fifteen. The IFC, uh, the IFC um, uh, published. Yes, yes. By now, that will be much greater. I mean, that was the power line for me. It was like this is an economic sense, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for taking this. Take this is not a small. This is not a small sliver of a slice. You, you've really taken on something major for Tanzania, and I know it's going to make all the difference. So thank you very much again for joining us on the Modesto Mega Three Hundred and Sixty Leadership Podcast. We wish you all the very best in all the different ways that you're serving uh, Tanzania for uh, financial inclusion of the underserved, and we wish you an amazing, amazing day and the rest of the year. Asante sana modesta. Thank you very much. You're most welcome. 360 Leadership Community, thank you for joining us on the Modesta Mahiga 360 Leadership Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast and share this episode to add value to another leader. Remember, you can only lead others as well as you lead yourself. If you'd like to learn more about how we can support you with your leadership development, connect with us on www.modestamahiga.com. Have an awesome day and we'll see you in the next episode of the Modesto Mahiga 360 Leadership Podcast.